Welcome to the ILCA Insider Podcast. We amplify labor's voice around the world. I'm Lisa Martin, president of the ILCA. Today we have Ed Finkelstein from the St. Louis Southern Illinois Labor Tribune with us. Hi, Ed. How are you today? Fine, Lisa. I hope you're as well. Thanks. So tell me about your work at the Tribune. I know you have a long history with the publication. Right. The uh, Labor Tribune is in its 82nd year, 81st year of publication. Uh, we're going 82 years this year. I've been with the paper for 46 years. Uh, started in the, uh, actually, I've been with the paper 46 years officially, but started as a teenager as the gopher on the paper. Hey, kid, go for the coffee. Hey, kid, go for this, go for that. So I worked uh, summers uh, on the Tribune, and it was really as a result of the Tribune, I decided to go into journalism. And that started my career uh, after the Air Force. Then I came out and started working full-time for the Labor Tribune. And I haven't stopped since and enjoyed every minute of it, even with the uh, aggravation and the uh, problems that we've encountered over the years, as, as most organizations do. Wonderful. That's that's certainly a long history. And, you know, I, I know the Labor Tribune has a significant web presence now, you know, obviously started as as print but it has moved a lot onto the web do you feel like most of your readers are now only online well i i can't answer that accurately but i can tell you while we have a web presence what we're starting to do and we'll probably launch it in the next couple of months is to do a uh a mobile friendly application so that people can pick us up on their phones or their tablets Right now, they have to go to their, use their computer, and it doesn't work very well when you go on your phone. Uh, but we're getting more and more requests. In fact, one local union, uh, the USCW, who is uh, very heavily into young people now, uh, has requested it. And so we've, we've prepared it. We're going to launch in a couple of months, and then we'll make it available to all our subscribers. But I think that probably the vast majority of the younger members in the movement uh, are going to be are online and are going to be online in the future. And so it's important we move in that direction and we're, we're going there uh, rather quickly. Sure. And so you still have uh, print copies of the paper available around town now. Is that right? Right. In fact, the vast majority of our circulation, right at 50,000 a week, is a print publication. Um, as I said, we're just getting ready to do the online we have the online. Pre- we don't have an online presence. You can go on the computer and pick up the Tribune uh, on your computer, but not on your tablet or phone. And so that's why we're going that way. But I would estimate that probably within the next couple of years, we'll probably be 80% online and 20% print. We still have a lot of retirees, older members in the movement that want to see it in print. You know, I'm a print guy. Um, at 81, I still like to pick up the paper and, and read it. So we'll we'll have both versions, a print and an online version. Uh, but I'm sure the online version is going to grow as we uh, expand it. Sure, that that's I, I'm sure that's the case. And so, Ed, you served as a board member with the ILCA and have been a member for how long? Uh, Ten years, I believe. Ten or eleven uh-huh. years. Um, it's been an exciting adventure with ILCA. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I was also the uh, treasurer at one time, 
Um, but ILCA offers a very valuable resource to labor educators. Uh, you know, it's been, it was founded in 55, some 64 years ago. The Labor Tribune's been a member at least 52 years that I can tell. We've got a, some old bound copies back to 1967, and we were a member then. Um, and so the value, I think, is extremely important. Uh, I found it to be a, a very efficient, very effective tool for labor communicators. In fact, it's really the only educational tool for, for labor communicators. Um, and so I would encourage those who are not members of the ILC to certainly join because there's a lot of benefits. And, and frankly, uh, at least under your leadership, you're starting to expand additional services, which I think are great. Thank you for that. And are there any uh, special moments or, or things that stand out to you over your uh, years of involvement with the ILCA? Oh, yeah, a couple. Uh, they have to deal with the United States Post Office. Before I became a board member, we got a notification from the post office that our permit didn't allow us to mail at the preferential mailing rates and therefore we would have to start mailing the paper regular first class. That would have put us out of business. So I went to ILCA and with their help, uh, and then we went to our congressional office uh, and fought that issue, explaining to them that the labor unions, um, although they're, most of them are technically nonprofit, they're covered under the uh, uh, law that allows them to mail at special rates. And we had to go through a big rigmarole, but thanks to the help of ILCA, we were able to get the post office to uh, back off and uh, say they were going to be a gentler, kinder post office and uh, let us continue mailing at the periodic rates. And then a couple of years ago, another instance with the post office here, the local post office, I got a letter that said uh, we were mailing at the wrong postal rates and that if I didn't present a check for $125,000 by Friday, I got this notice on Tuesday that they would not mail our paper the following week. And of course, I was shocked. It had to do with in-county and out-of-county postal rates, where the in-county rates are cheaper than the out-of-county postal rates. They were The in-county rates were organized to encourage local publications in their local communities. But we present a report to the post office every week of how many are in-county and how many are out-of-county. And no one ever told us that we had a different rate for the two. We paid a standard rate. And so when we pointed out to them that their own inspectors never told us there was a difference, and that for years we were mailing in and out of county at the same rate, um, they realized they had made the mistake, not us. Uh, and we immediately changed and started changing, paying the out-of-county rate on those circulation out of the county. Um, but it was a close call because they were prepared to shut us down. So uh, those were the two interesting ones. And the, the third really was our two fights in 1978 and then last year with Right to Work, um, where the Labor Tribune, I think, played a major role in helping educate our members and our readers uh, to the nasty benefits of having Right to Work in this state. Sure. And, and I... My observation is that there was just such a massive education campaign in Missouri that it, <clears throat> by the the labor movement, 
of which the Tribune played a part of that education. And it really changed people's minds. Like there was, I think, a lack of awareness about right to work and maybe not right. a huge amount of feeling either way to being changed to being really against it and stopping it with a ballot initiative. Well, really amazing. Yeah, it started off uh, with the Republican controlled legislature uh, at the beginning of last year in January. Their first start of business when they came back in in 2019, 2018 was to pass this right to work law. Uh, and of course, we weren't going to let that stand. So we got a proposition on the ballot approved to uh, approve or disapprove of that law. And we launched a massive petition campaign to get that issue on the ballot. They weren't going to put it on the ballot, obviously. And so between February and um, May, uh, June, we gathered um, 310,000 signatures. We only needed 180,000 in six of eight congressional districts in the state of Missouri. We got over 310,000 signatures in every district, all eight congressional districts, the first time it's been done in the history of an initiative petition campaign. And so that was the start of the energizing of our labor movement and of the public to that there was a real problem with this law. And uh, as a result, the Labor Tribune and the labor movement itself, we formed a special committee, uh, raised a lot of money, uh, several millions of dollars to develop a TV, print and direct mail campaign that focused on the issue of lost wages, what it would cost Missourians uh, in terms of over $8,000 a year if we went right to work. And so the issue was vote no on this proposition. Um, And we specifically uh, worded the campaign, the the proposition on the ballot so that we could have a no vote because people tend to vote no more than they vote yes if they don't understand the issue. And mm-hmm. as a result, we, we of 114 counties in Missouri, our issue passed by 99 in 99 of the counties with a 67 and a half percent vote, one of the strongest votes of any petition campaign ever uh, that sent a strong message to the legislature. As a result, the right to work law was nullified. And we're real, real proud and real pleased that it energized our movement. It educated the public. Um, uh, but interestingly enough, when it came time, this was the vote was in August. Uh, yes. In November, the public reelected a number of the state, the majority of the state legislators that voted to support this law because they didn't make the connection. And I think we didn't help effectively make the connection between the legislator voting to get this law on the ballot and the fact that they voted against it the be- in August. So in November, we unfortunately elected most of the legislators that uh, put the law on the ballot in the first place. And so I'm afraid we're going to have to fight that issue again sometime in the future. Um, And we've just got to do a better job of educating the public on the issues that affect their lives and who the legislators are that are trying to screw them over. Wow. And, and do you feel like it's, it's discouraging that the issue still hasn't been beaten out of uh, <laughs> these um, le- legislators that continue to kind of push this issue that got resoundingly defeated? Right. Uh, they've Several legislators uh, are trying to put it, pass the law again. In fact, they want to put it on the ballot themselves. 
to put it in the Constitution, and they've just authorized a petition. They're going to do a petition drive to put it on the ballot as a constitutional amendment, and we're going to have to fight that ballot, that issue all over again. But last year, they tried the same thing to get it on a constitutional amendment. They tried to gather signatures while we were also gathering signatures, and they failed miserably. They couldn't get enough signatures to get it on the ballot. So they're going to try again. And it's discouraging because these legislators refuse to listen to the will of the public. In fact, our Republican governor said it's not going to be a priority for him because he heard what the public said. He said, we're going to follow the will of the people. But there's a number of legislatures who uh, don't agree with that. In fact, there was a second issue on the ballot, a clean Missouri initiative in which we limited the amount of money legislators could take as gifts uh, and a whole slew of other things to clean up politics in Missouri. And they're trying to overturn that as well in the legislature. So until we change the legislature, I'm afraid uh, average citizens, not only labor union members, but average citizens are going to continue to be screwed over uh, by these legislators pushing their own private initiatives, which are really the initiatives of big business. Because those are the people who are funding their campaigns, who have paid them off in effect, and they're doing their bidding. Um, And we've just got to change the legislature. I've been a strong proponent of balance. I think that anytime you have a, a governmental body that's controlled in all segments by one party, it's not healthy. Uh, we see that in the we saw that in the federal Congress uh, until the election of the until the Democrats took over the House. But until you have balance, where you have some opportunity for compromise, forcing mm-hmm. people to compromise you're going to have the kind of craziness we have in Missouri. And so we're liable to have to fight this battle all over again. Uh, And it's unfortunate, but uh, the labor press is going to play another continuing role in helping educate members to that effect. Thanks, Ed. We're we're lucky to have you in the fight. And thanks for the on the ground information, the effort in Missouri. We really appreciate your, your time and insights. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and let me say to the to the listeners, uh, we did a 14-part series in the Labor Tribune on single issues besides wages that we picked up from the group called Wallet Hub. They do a whole series year in and year out of different issues uh, and how all the states ranked. And we did a whole series on individual issues um, like wages, education, family safety, working dads, raising a family what states are the best and which are the worst. And we created uh, charts showing the worst states and the best states, and we highlighted the right-to-work states. And it becomes very clear how bad the right-to-work states and all these issues. And I'd be glad to make those available to uh, any of uh, our listeners uh, who might be facing similar issues or just want to continue educating their own members about how bad right-to-work really is for working men and women, uh, and particularly for union men and women, but for all workers. That sounds very interesting and very useful. Many of us are, you know, always looking for data to create infographics, to make our case better uh, with members, with the public, and so on. So that that sounds like very helpful information. Sure. Just reach out to me at uh, edf at labortribune.com, and I'll be glad to provide that. Uh, we also did a series of what I call right-to-work coupons, where they were just little two-inch by two-inch coupons we ran throughout the paper 
that said uh, right to work. And then here's what right to work means. And I'll, again, using single issues, explaining how bad they are. And then we'll be glad to provide those as well. But it's all part of the educational effort that we're very proud of at the Labor Tribune. Sure, and I think the your secret to success part part was partly due just being able to simplify the issue so so well. Right, absolutely. I think it's important for the labor movement to understand the value of, of frequent communications with their members. Too many locals, too many central bodies only publish a newsletter once a month, once every other month, and it's very difficult to provide the kind of ongoing information, particularly timely information that they need. And so the labor movement in St. Louis is fortunate in that we have the Labor Tribune, which is a weekly publication. There are not many of us left, uh, but I would encourage you that are listening, if you've got a publication, to increase its frequency so that you can get the information out on a timely basis to your members. I think that's vital. The daily press doesn't do a very good job of explaining what we are and who we are. We need to do that to ourselves, for ourselves, and particularly to our younger members who have never experienced the problems that their forefathers did to make the labor movement strong. Um, we see that happening all the time. In fact, in the Right to Work campaign, one member came up to me lamenting the fact that his wife told him she was gonna support Right to Work because she didn't see there was any value to the union and the fact that he didn't have to pay union dues would be an increase in his paycheck. And he just exploded and explained to her how he got the wages he has today and finally changed her mind. And so I think we have a lot of younger members who don't understand the value of their unions that need this education. And I think it's a frequent publication like the Labor Tribune and helps prepare that. So I would encourage more organizations to increase their frequency in reaching out and touching their members, whether it's in print or online, as we're doing in both, uh, it really is important. That's great practical advice. You know, I I see, see I see that frequently as well. So th so thank you again, Ed, for your time and your insights. And for folks listening, please remember to check the ILCA blog and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. That's all, folks. <laughs>